When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Board YouTube channel. We are here on our weekly podcast with myself, Jacob, and my co-host, Kirk Evans, to talk through some weekly NBA takeaways. We have a few things of note today that we're going to be discussing, namely Draymond Green and his suspension. Then we'll also discuss the New York Knicks and perhaps next steps for this team to get to the next level, the top level of the East. And it is the pretty much the unofficial start of the NBA trade season tomorrow. We'll talk about some names that could be involved in some phone calls starting December 15th, the Friday, depending on what you're listening to, that could be tomorrow. That could have already happened. So we have that along with some additional betting at the end of the episode, but let's go to Kirk Evans. Another week of NBA is in the books. We had the in-season tournament finale as well, the championship game. Um, what were your overall thoughts on that in-season tournament as a whole? Uh, I thought overall it, it kind of went pretty well for the NBA seemed like, uh, viewership was up. And really, I think the the number one thing the NBA has to focus on going forward is making regular season games matter. So I thought they did a really good job with that. The games clearly mattered. People watched. Teams were into it. But I think there are a lot of things that, that need to be changed. Mainly, like, there's a lot of incentive talk, but that the fact that these teams actually get punished you know, it makes the schedule harder, more travel, but really the big one. And I tweeted about this, the Knicks, Yeah, you know, shot. all they got from the in-season tournament was playing the Bucks and Celtics, the two best teams in the conference. Those are the two extra games. Like that just kind of doesn't seem fair. So, you know, th- I think there are, there are good ways to fix it going forward. But to me, just they shouldn't, teams shouldn't be punished in the regular season for making the in-season tournament. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was, I thought it was cool, you know, I, and I think it'll just get better. Yeah. Agreed for a first time doing it. I thought it was fun. Uh, like a lot of people are saying, like, like never in my life would I think I'm like changing my schedule to be able to watch Kings versus Pelicans. Right. So, and people were excited about a game like that. So yeah, I think overall I had, I guess my doubts, but I trusted that this thing would work because I had my doubts about the playing tournament. I think that is a pretty good feature for the NBA now and you're right it's all about making regular season games more relevant the in-season tournament has done that the play-in tournament has absolutely done that as well so I think the NBA are are pretty happy with how this went down and this will definitely be something going forward how do you feel about the Lakers hanging a banner for it though do you think that this will eventually become a coveted prize for NBA teams yeah like I would say I mostly feel indifferent about it like I just don't really care i don't think the players care that much um but like sure hang a banner i I don't know i think the league probably told them yeah hang a banner and they're (laughs) doing it it's kind of weird that it's the lakers it's i think it's good that it's the lakers actually because now any other team can do it and can't get roasted because if, if the lakers of all teams will do it any other team should be able to do it as well and like you don't think a team like if the kings win it or the timberwolves win it they're gonna go nuts with that thing 
For sure. No, I agree with that for sure. Just the Lakers feels weird because they have what, like 17 championships. So they're putting up like their yeah. 18 yeah, championships. Lot. They're putting their in-season tournament banner next to their 18 actual championships. Yeah, it's um, You're right. It's 17. 17. All right. Whatever. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Like I, I, I'm not going to, you know, pair particularly either way if they put up a banner. Yeah, I, I I agree on that front. So let's get into the meat we got for this episode. We're going to start off with a Draymond Green discussion. Before we do that, anybody watching right now, make sure you smash that like button. Let's drive ourselves up in the YouTube algorithm and subscribe to the board YouTube channel. Not only do we have this show every Thursday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time, I'm live every morning now at 9.45 a.m. with Pips NBA for NBA free picks. So if you want to get your betting fix, this show can do the trick. But every morning as well on this channel, it does the trick as well. So Draymond Green. Suspended indefinitely, quote indefinitely, by the NBA. Yusuf Nurkic had the very famous now post-game remark, that brother needs help. And the NBA are working towards perhaps getting him help. Um, I I don't want to go as far as call it counseling or therapy, but Draymond Green, it appears as though, has to meet some certain criteria before returning to the NBA after his... I've seen the term strike. I've seen the term swing. He punched, he punched Yusuf Nurkic in the head. And... Did so intentionally, very clearly. Uh, I mentioned this on the morning show yesterday, but how many games did you think he should have gotten versus like what he would get? And then we'll go to your thoughts on the NBA's punishment here. Uh, for sure. So how many games did I think he would get? It's always a hard question when it comes to the NBA. He got five for um, the, the chokehold. And I thought this was worse and repeat offending in uh like the whatever it was like probably two two weeks later three weeks later yeah so um, this is his sixth suspension in the league yeah so i knew it was going to be worse than that i thought I, I think indefinitely is honestly pretty fair and good and i'm actually happy the nba did that but i thought he would probably get between 10 and 15 and what does indefinitely mean i have no idea but it's going to be probably longer than that yeah i, I think indefinitely is just buying time to make a full decision. But I think what it will become is he's got to, he's got to do some stuff to come back. Like, you know, uh, John Murray had to meet certain criteria to be eligible to return. I think Draymond Green will fit into that boat as well. Uh, earlier today, uh, my co-host on the morning show, Pip, said he wouldn't be back before the All-Star break. I don't know if the NBA is going to go that far, but this is it's a bit upsetting. Uh, this is like a, a shoe and Hall of Famer that has just consistently acted out like this. and. Like, he's trying to victimize himself, saying, like, it was an accident. It obviously wasn't an accident. Yusuf Nurkic is pretty tall. So turning and swinging like that, like, you know, you're not doing, you're not, you're definitely aiming for that. So I, I don't buy it for one second, but he keeps on saying, like, these things aren't intentional, but very clearly they are. And he, and he treats it after the game, like, he tries to downplay it, tries to make himself the victim here. But, like, this is your sixth suspension. He has uh, top 10 in ejections in NBA history. So, yeah, your track record follows you. So this sort of thing, the NBA has to clamp down. And also player safety is a big deal. Like you're dragging Rudy Gobert by his neck. You're smacking Yusuf Nurkic in the head. Like maybe not as much safety, but he's like kicked guys in the nuts before in games. So, yeah, I'm happy the NBA is really putting their stamp on this and take him out of proceedings for a while. Uh, we spoke about the Warriors last week and their struggles. They have not won a game since that episode, actually. But how much do you think this will affect the Warriors' season? 
Yeah, I, I think it'll affect it significantly. I think really to to get to their high end upside, which you know th- those tail outcomes are looking less and less likely. Um, they need Draymond. He's their best defensive player by far, and you know one of two above average defensive players with Wiggins. And who even knows what the hell's going on with Andrew Wiggins right now? He's kind of completely fell, fallen off the face of the earth. He can't shoot. He got benched last game. So, yeah, it's going to affect them pretty significantly. They're just in disarray. They, they're not a legitimate content. I think we maybe talked about that last week. They are. It would be shocking if they were, were any uh, anything serious. Going forward, this they're just a- not very good. Clay's really struggling. Wiggins really struggling. Now Draymond's out. Draymond hasn't even been playing well. CP's been fine, but he doesn't really fit that well. And he's older and, and getting worse as well. He can't shoot. You know, Looney's also been way worse as well. So yeah. if, if four of, you know, your top five players, is that fair to say? CP, Draymond, Clay, Wiggins. Looney, I guess that's five of their top six guys going coming into the year yeah. are all heavily on decline. You know, you're going to be a lot worse and you're not going to be very good. And that's what happened. Steph's having yeah. a spectacular year and they barely can keep their head above water. So they, uh, yeah, I think uh, they're going to just probably be a pretty middling team. You'll probably see them in the play in, but they're, they're not uh, a real contender. This is the type of team that like, if they're in the like if they're in the playoffs, which is not a guarantee, the whole conversation would be, well, you never know with a Steph Curry team. But I I, I guess well, no, part no. of that reigns true because if he just goes he goes nuts, they've got a shot. But I think this team has so, so many flaws that we spoke about it last week. I'm not sure they're ready to commit to fixing just yet. So yeah. Yeah. I do I do want to quickly go back to Draymond specifically though in terms of the suspension. So you mentioned six suspensions. I believe that two of those suspensions are like um hitting the technical limit. Yeah, um it's true. So, it is. So if you think about his four suspensions, it, one of the or, or his four suspensions for like live acts versus, you know, hitting technical limits. Uh, actually, um, one of them was also a Warriors sanctioned suspension, not even by the for NBA. sure. Warrior sanctioned. So there's the LeBron play, which was now a while ago. Three of these things have happened. You know, th- this is the last like eight months. It's the last like <laughs> four months of actual basketball being played. And on top of that, there's the Jordan Poole punch in the face. So yeah, it's I, I've been a big fan of Draymond, and, and I actually think he kind of gets underrated in in what he's done for this team because he's a spectacular player or was a spectacular player and a spectacular defender. And he actually, you know, I don't want to go too hyperbolic, but he actually did change basketball pretty significantly with the small ball lineup that the Warriors started putting out there. And that was, was a pretty big driving change of, you know, switching at center, having a small at center, but he's the best ever to do that, to be, you know, a six, 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 seven guy, who can defend the wing and also he has that you know seven three wingspan and he's so strong that he can also defend the rim and defend in the post so it's sad to me that this has happened and i think the framing of this is always what draymond's been isn't really true i think it has been more of a recent thing and and i think that 
it really started with that Jordan Poole punch in the face and how non-apologetic he was and how he keeps, how he kind of kept joking about it and talking about it even after it happened, after he apologized. And look, a lot of Warriors culpability here as well. They've let Draymond, you know, do whatever he wants for a long time, even after, you know, this punch to the face. And Kerr's in a tough spot here, but, you know, he says, I haven't seen the replay. I got to watch the replay. That's kind of always what they've been. No one's ever been willing to, you know, say, yeah, Draymond can't do this. He shouldn't do this. So I think there's a lot of responsibility that falls on the Warriors, but I just hope, I don't know, that he comes back after a while. He deserves a long suspension and he kind of figures it out and and figures out how to calm down because obviously he's super competitive and he will never not be that way, but he wasn't always injuring players and, and doing things quite to this level of danger. Yeah, so the suspension history for Draymond, uh, suspension in 2016 for the LeBron kick. Yeah. Uh, November 2018, after the KD argument on the sideline to the Warriors, yeah. the Warriors gave him one game. That was the Warriors sure. sanction, sanction suspension. Yeah, March of totally, this year. Totally different, um, you know. Yeah. Like, that was weird, but not but, nothing. But there's, but there's been other things he's not been suspended for. Like the Steven Adams kick he wasn't suspended yeah, for. for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, earlier this year was a 16th technical. April yeah. this year, we he stomped on Sabonis's chest. Yeah. November this year was the Gobert one, and December, of course, this year is the Nurkic. So this will be the sixth one. But again, uh, it could have been more. And I'm um, I'm with you. Hopefully, I mean, yeah. hopefully he figures things out. I'm wondering if this is just like frustration with maybe a talent decline. He's frustrated that his body isn't allowing him to do the things he used to do. I don't know what it is, but I'm glad the NBA is kind of stepping in and and kind of forcing him into. Uh, some I don't know what to call it, like rehab for this. I don't know exactly how to describe it. So let's move yeah. on to a team, uh, unless you have anything else. Yeah, the, the last thing I wanted to say is just, I've been pretty critical of the NBA suspensions. I thought that John Morant, and still maintain, I think the John Morant suspension is ridiculous. 25 games, I just, look, I think he should be punished. I think what John Morant did was really stupid, but, you know, whatever. We don't need to get quite into it, but I, I think 25 games for just completely insane. I think the fact that Miles Bridges is playing right now is completely insane, but yeah, I think then I think uh, the NBA got this right. Yeah, agree. Let's move to another team at the different in a different conference at the different end of well, not quite different end, but certainly hoping to be the different end of the standings right now. Uh, the New York Knicks. They have been a topic of conversation, specifically after the in-season tournament when. Just like whenever they come up against a big team, I think it was Kenny Smith that said this specifically, they never have the best player on the floor. Sometimes they have the third best player on the floor, or even sometimes the second best player. But the issue perhaps with their roster right now is they don't have that superstar player. And many people would consider that if you have the best player on the floor, you will win a that playoff series. Whoever has the best player wins the playoff series. That's not always the case, but perhaps a lot of the time it is. So the Knicks have been waiting a long time they have done a phenomenal job of gathering assets, gathering picks. They have tradable contracts. But what do you think are the next steps for this Knicks team? And how long do you think it'll take for them to get to those next steps? Yeah. So quickly, um, before we get into all of you know who the Knicks can get, I think weirdly for, for a New York team, what the Knicks have done it does not get talked about at all. When you messaged me today saying, Let's talk about the Knicks. I was pumped 
because right. <laughs> the, the Knicks kind of are, are like, I don't want to say like an analytics revolution, but what they've done to basketball is, you know, I don't think we've really seen a team do this in the last, since I've been deeply following the NBA. And it was a complete pivot from what every kind of trendy, smart NBA analyst thought was the case or, or the right direction. That was focus on rebounds. They're by far the best rebounding team in the league. They're dominant on the offensive glass. They've turned Mitch Robb into like, a, he's kind of, he's a super important player for them. Maybe their second most important player. He's hurt now. They have Hardenstein coming off the bench. He also dominates the offensive glass. But they zagged when everyone else was zigging and it has paid incredible dividends. You look at their team right now. I think they're 21st in uh, four factors, EFG. And their defensive EFG is not good either. But they dominate the glass on both sides of the ball. They don't turn it over. And, you know, they kill you in the possession game every game. And it's awesome what they're doing. I think they should get more credit for that. I think, you know, the fact that Tibbs is a bit of an old school coach, maybe he doesn't quite get that love. But you look at this roster, they're, they're not very good. Randall's not having a good year. Barrett's, like, uh, debatably. Barrett, Barrett is anti analytics yeah yeah but it's a weird thing of like these guys are you know anti-traditional analytics especially randall and barrett the way they play and and i think their shot profile probably could be optimized a bit more but there you, you know coaching is some the coaching in the front office doing something really right when you know you could swap their starters for their bench maybe keep brenton in there it's who, who which team's better yeah. like it's unbelievable what they're doing. No one's really having that crazy of a season. Uh, Brunson's shooting the hell out of the ball from three, but otherwise, you know, most players are, are shooting below career norms on this team. Randall started horribly, and they just keep chugging away. They're they're an awesome team and deserve a ton of credit. But and and I also think the way they're built actually allows for a star to come in pretty seamlessly because Brunson's pretty heavy on ball. Randall as well, but Randall they could get rid of pretty easily, and I don't think they would miss him too much. And then, you know, I feel like any real elite player could come in and be awesome here. So which players that is? I think prior to the season, Joel was was the clear number one. Now the, the Sixers are awesome. It's kind of hard to see Joel leaving. Yeah. And then the other one I think is Donovan Mitchell, who if I had to guess in the next few years, probably will be a New York net and Brunson Mitchell, Mitch Rob. And then like this depth, are you competing for a title? It's tough, but they'd be really good. They'd be really good. Yeah. They'd be really good. But that, that's actually my thing about Mitchell. Like when he was on the trade block for the jazz. So he's in second last year of his contract. I just don't see Donovan Mitchell as the over-the-top piece like I, he's such a good player he was all NBA last year deservingly but when it comes to like a full playoff series I mean I don't know it's so strange he, he averaged like what was it in the bubble how did he have like three yeah, 50 a, point games or something insane. bubble was know. a little different basketball but yeah I, I of course but like he had some other outrageous playoff runs with the Jazz but it's just like I can I trust this guy to be a number one player I and I I always have questions about that. So I don't even know if Donovan Mitchell puts that team kind of over the top. But I like yeah, what I you're saying about fair. the Knicks. Um, 
I, I think they've perfected what the Raptors were doing in 21-22, where possession battle was the name of the game. They didn't care how efficient they were. They were going to outpossess you. They could shoot worse than you, but if they get more shots up, then that's going to make the team successful. And the Knicks are doing it with three-point shooters. So uh, I watched like a recent game where the Raptors played the Knicks. The amount of offensive rebounds that turn into open threes are crazy. Yeah. Uh, JJ Redick, yeah. one of the best shooters of all time, has said the best time to get an open three is off of an offensive rebound. And the Knicks are punishing teams in that way. And uh, I, I, I like what you're saying. In their current form, as I have kind of in the graphic, can this team be serious contenders? Look, the East is, is pretty good at the top. I don't think they can compete with Boston, Milwaukee. They'd struggle to compete with Philly. And I, I think that those... I could see is, them beating Philly in a playoff series. Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me... It kind Philly, of, Philly, I, I kind of would form. actually. It kind of would. I don't know. They're, they're both okay. kind you know of similar teams in the sense of like really good in the regular season, but are they going to be? Yeah, good in yeah, the playoffs. That's fair. But I, I guess if like an injury ha- goes their way or something like that, could, is it impossible for this team to sneak to you know an NBA Finals? Like maybe Boston and Milwaukee match up at some point before the finals if that somehow happens like i mean the bucks haven't been uh, a, a juggernaut in terms of their i know they're 17 and 7 but if you watch their games you wouldn't think this is a 17 and 7 team so i guess if something crazy happens yes but i don't think this team in its current construction can win a championship so i'm questioning whether they see this season as the season to make any big move oh, that's a tough one uh, I'm, I'm, I, Milwaukee, I, I think they would need. I think it would either need to be like getting a a, a guy who you could have as like a two three piece who you could still bring in that number one guy, or if it was somehow some real star got um, yeah became available. But they they've been pretty good uh, at keeping their powder dry and not yeah. forcing it. So so I think. It's probably not going to be this season. Would be. I bad. agree, and also you have to feel like the Bucks is start, they're starting to fade off. Like Dame is getting older. He's obviously still yeah. great, but Middleton is not the player he was. Lopez is not is getting worse. Like like Giannis, dare I doubt him? But this this level is just you don't see this sustained forever in the NBA, uh, especially a player of his of his archetype. Like I don't think it'll be next season, maybe not even the year after that, but like three years down the line, is there gonna be questions? So perhaps they can wait and see on them. Boston, there's always questions of them tinkering and, and making a big switch, whether it's trading like a Jalen Brown or something. So I, I think they can be a little bit patient here. But yeah. Let's talk about some players perhaps the Knicks could be eyeing, but perhaps any team in the league could be eyeing. It is, as I mentioned in the intro, the pretty much unofficial start of the NBA trade market. Players who are signed as free agents in the summer, at least most of them, uh, become eligible to trade as of December 15th, which just makes trades a whole lot easier to get down. Now, two players we're going to mention were not free agents in the summer, but could this, like I said, could facilitate a trade. One of those players is Pascal Siakam, especially with the Raptors at 10 and 14 on the season. Another one is Zach Levine, who everybody knows about is on the trade block. And <laughs> I, uh, I I know you saw this tweet, but Zach Levine apparently thinks the Lakers would be a great destination for himself because, of course, he does. <laughs> I don't think it's very feasible for the Lakers to actually do that. But that's the most obvious candidate, of course, for any trade. But Zach Levine 
and Pascal Siakam. Let, let's start with Pascal. We've done our, our bit on Levine. Do you think there's any teams that are going to be hunting a Pascal Siakam trade on an expiring contract? If so, like what sort of value does that give the Raptors? Um, yeah, well, I think we've talked about it a few times here that the Raptors have really, uh, but I don't know what word you want to use. Back themselves completely, corner. completely screwed up the situation terribly. I honestly think it's time for the Raptors to just go full new management as well, but that's a topic for another day. Um, but yeah, I think teams will be willing to trade for Pascal for sure, but will they be willing to trade a ton? I think Memphis was a really good fit um, for Pascal, but they're kind of now really struggling. They're not going to make a big in-season move. No. You know, Philly, I think Philly probably would rather OG. He's probably a better fit next to Pascal, uh, next to Joel, just because Pascal and, and Joel's offensive game don't fit great together. Pascal's not a great shooter. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think... It's, it's a bit of a tough situation. You know, the other top contenders, it doesn't really make sense. The Clippers aren't trading for him. Phoenix isn't trading for him. Denver's not trading for him. Boston's not trading for him. Milwaukee's not trading for him. And then it's like, okay, well, who else is even really in the realm of, of contending? Golden State? Is Golden State really going to trade for Pascal? I doubt it. And if they are, it's probably not going to be super meaningful. I, I, my guess would be probably Pascal doesn't get traded and I don't know. It's, it's such a weird situation because it feels like the Raptors have really been pretty anti-Pascal all year and the vibes are way off. But, you know, are we just going to max him out this summer and think, okay, we'll trade him, you know, maybe next year in, in two years? That's, that's the thing. Uh, I, I, I've said it, like, because I cover the Raptors every day pretty much. And it, it, they they have there's a shit sandwich and they got to take a bite somewhere. So is yeah. that pulling the trigger on a Pascal Siakam trade that you probably lose the trade, but at least you don't lose him for free. That really has never been Masai Ujiri's MO to just take a bad trade for a guy. But is there a chance he walks away for nothing in the summer? I think like he still wants to stay here. I, I think he likes Toronto. I, I also think there's bigger, it's a bigger likelihood that when a player has their ring already, they're less likely to go seeking that that another one like not saying nobody wants like they don't care about winning anymore but they're more comfortable not winning they're more comfortable with their own happiness in location and team so maybe he stays raptors probably have to max him then the conversation becomes is it how tradable is it is siakam on a max contract does that make him a whole lot more tradable getting like uh, well, i used, to, I used yeah. to know the numbers it's like like similar it's like a little bit less than what jalen brown got for Oh, that's his super. It's a lot. It's near forty million. That's all I know. A year is that a contract teams want to trade for after the fact? Well, the thing is, I would say if a team's trading for him now, they're probably not trading for him as a pure rental unless they're pretty much giving up like you know one pick, maybe unprotected. Yeah. So if if teams are trading for him now, they're probably trading for him with the intention of signing him. So I don't think it's that huge of a difference in terms of value because a team trading for him probably has the intention of signing him but yeah I, i'm with you it's just i like that shit sandwich analogy that's just true like it's just it's totally the raptors fault there's no one else to blame they've completely handled every trade situation and every free agent situation totally wrong and and now you know it's not i 
if it was me, I'm trading Siakam even at a huge discount because you can't afford to keep, you know, being a 35-win team. You need yeah. to be a 20-win a, a team, especially, you know, the goal has to be to be good on at least Scotty's rookie scale math. That You have to be good by the end of that. If you're going to be good yeah. by the end of that, you need some picks in now. And, and look, I, even as a Torontonian as well, like going down this road, like how did the Pirtle trade happen? That's one of the worst minor trades in NBA history. To hamstring a franchise for for trading for, uh, uh, you know, whatever, the 18th best starting center in the league, maybe a little better than that. He barely, he doesn't even play. He's averaging like 26 minutes a game. Just a completely insane trade. Yeah, so I don't know. The Raptors need a, a like literally blow it up, take take some dynamite to the franchise right now. But <laughs> I think yeah, it's almost. I think he'd be a great than, piece like, for a comp- for a competitive team, but that competitive team just doesn't really exist right now. The only team like uh, we talked about the Warriors last week. I, I know you had a bit of pushback on that, which is fair enough. The only other teams, the Hawks could be feeling a bit more desperate to get back into like they're they've lost five in a row. They lost, just lost to the Raptors. Siakam just balled out against them. That's a team that I think could be incentivized to do something. And the Kings as well have long been a Pascal Siakam fan and perhaps just additional scoring to that team makes them a bit more serious of a threat in the Western conference. But like you're right on the Pirtle trade. It's, and the issue is they continue to back themselves deeper and deeper into that corner because like they trade for Pirtle and miss the playoffs, but now Pirtle's a free agent. Well, you probably shouldn't re-sign him and you should commit money elsewhere. You should commit more to rebuilding, but how would that look if you trade away, trade a, a, away a first round pick for Pirtle and then let him go for nothing. So you're almost forced into tra- into signing him. And even though 20 million a year to me is, is more than fair for Pirtle, even though the trade is more than fair, I maybe not quite more than fair, but like somewhat fair for Pirtle. It's just like not what the franchise needed. So it's almost like you take an L on Pascal here this year, if you can, and then just, just work on Scotty Barnes more. Like don't waste another year, sign Pascal summer, then trade him next season. Like don't waste a year on like, I, I I'm, I'm not in the, the camp that thinks these two guys can't play together, but I think that with this roster and the lack of spacing, it certainly makes it more difficult to these guys. So, yeah, they could play together if they had a shooting center or a point yeah. guard that could shoot or a shooting guard that could shoot or anyone else on the roster who could <laughs> Other shoot. Other guys who could shoot. Like yeah. Schroeder, man, we don't need to get into this, but I hate watching Dennis Schroeder. I think he's been fine. Just watching the Raptors is painful. I feel bad for you that you. You say you watch like every game. Oh, it's it's every horrible. game. It's, every game I un- live stream, watch along on my YouTube channel. It's unwatchable watching this team. They're they're horrible <laughs> to watch. I find myself betting on them pretty often. I don't think I've won one of those bets this season. Um, <laughs> they're just they're they're a terrible team to watch. They don't play fun basketball at all. They have no shooting. They have no shooting in the league that's gone, you know, that direction. And and. It's not even that they have no shooting. It's the fact that their best players can't shoot and they're not surrounded by shooting. You know, like Pascal and Scotty, even though Scotty actually is shooting quite well this season. Um, 41 on catch and shoot threes, which is pretty crazy. For sure. And, and that's a, and that's also the thing. This season should be totally fine right now if they hadn't just completely screwed everything up because Scotty took a real, you know, he really... Uh, 
didn't really improve last year at all. He has been way better this year. And that's, that's awesome. And that's by far the most important thing for this Raptors franchise, but it doesn't matter so much when you have all these weird question marks and no pick unless it's whatever top six. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's an even bigger problem. If you, if the pick doesn't convey this year, uh, and the Raptors are drafting. It's not a very good draft, which was probably in mind when they uh, traded the pick. They they don't have the pick next year. Oh, uh, sorry. I, I I hate when the the idea of like trading a pick because the draft isn't bad. It's like eighteen months away. Oh no no. And- I, I think it's dumb as well. I'm just stating. No, like, no, no, no. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. That probably was the reason. I think the Raptors have actually come on the record a bunch of times and said in different ways, like, oh, it's an X-person draft, so we don't care that much. God, I hate that logic. Sorry to interrupt you. But that, to me, is like, teams always get it wrong. It The league always gets it wrong. Dra- like, evaluating guys is so hard. Evaluating an entire draft and seeing how that's going to work out is impossible. So. Just the idea of, you know, oh, we don't need this pick because it's not that good of a draft 18 months before the draft actually happens. Just purely so, ridiculous. So where I'm going with this is they won't have their 2025 pick, yeah. which is the bigger because because now it should be abundantly clear. Sit back, rebuild a little bit. You have that pick next year. But all of a sudden you yeah, could be in a but, spot but, where you don't have that pick. I think I would rather a top six. 2024 pick than the potential okay. of the 2025 pick, even even if the draft is, is yeah, you know, not I, great. Just, I, just I because have, you know what, like the odds of the pick being better than top five the next year is kind of tough, even if we really go down to the studs. But also, there would still be protection on it, no? Yeah, I think it's top eight, and then it would be top ten in 2026. Top yeah, eight. okay, so that that's not terrible. So get the pick this year and then completely take the studs off and get top eight again. So not not a huge deal, but it doesn't look you know, like... You bring up a good point I hadn't considered. Like, would that pick next year be better than top six? Probably not, so... it's Yeah, it's hard, it's it hard to get a top six pick with, you know, we're probably still going to have guys. Like, Pirtle's probably going to be around. Scotty's probably going to be around. Teams will tank. Like I will be around, you know, like, no question. Oh, yeah, sorry. Scotty will definitely be around. The, like, the Pistons aren't going to be good next year. The Wizards are going to be terrible. Portland's going to be terrible. Like, these teams have no path to being good. So, like, the Raptors already have the best player on any of those teams going into next year. So, it's hard to really get that top of a That's just the thing. All these fucking tanking teams are are hunting a Scotty Barnes. We have yeah. that, and we're still not using him uh, as, yeah. as, as well as we could. Uh yeah. Oh my God. I, I, you know what? I, I stress enough about the Raptors, uh, <laughs> my free time. So I'm not going to do it here anymore. Um, just quickly here, any perhaps like somewhat sleeper players you think on the trade block could become significant as the season goes forward. Yeah. I, I don't know ahead? if I would consider this a sleeper. I, I think I've kind of heard whispers of his names of his name of late, but, but feels like the real guy who, who if he was available, team should really get after Laurie Markinan. You know, they're okay. they're they're bad. They're, they're gonna be really bad. Um, looks like Laurie's not gonna play today. They're happy to kind of sit him out as much as possible. They want a top pick. Feels like a reasonable time to trade him, like pretty top of their market. And God, Laurie Markinan fits well on a lot of teams. And, and the real one that I would want 
just purely as a onlooker of the league is to OKC because he's a perfect fit in OKC. He's a secondary rim protector. He's really tall and big. So playing him at the four next to Chet, you know, he's way bigger than any of the other non-Chet players they play. And then even though they're the best three-point shooting team in the league somehow, um, he would be like a real knockdown off-ball shooter. He fits perfectly with Shea as well. Um, so yeah, I think Lori Markinen would be the guy who, like all the other guys, Levine and Pascal, I don't really think you put a ton of chips in for, but Lori's pretty young. If I'm OKC, I'm thinking, okay, if we can go out and get Lori Markinen, let's let's do it. And then maybe it accelerates them a little bit, but they're pretty accelerated. They're awesome. Like I know yeah. I've, I've tried, I've faded them. I've, I took their wins under. I took them to not make the playoffs. At this point, you know, Chet, Chet's a near all-star level player as a rookie and Shea's a top five MVP again. So they're, I, uh, I like that. A they're lot. the real deal. What's, what's interesting as well. He doesn't make a ton of money, which is good for them. Um, he makes 17.2 only a year and a half left on his contract. However, he fits the timeline. He's like a star player that still fits this timeline. So I like that fit a lot. That was a little bit of a sleeper. Um, he's been floated and, and, around, but I like that. And I feel like teams like, you know, these young nucleus teams have, have all kind of screwed up trading for guys. Memphis passed on a million guys, and that looks like a mistake, and a lot of their assets kind of Yeah, the OG went, went to nowhere. OG will go down. It's a big what if for that yeah. team, I think. They, they could, yeah, even Bridges, you know, maybe they could have gotten. Um, and then... The other route, you know, New Orleans kind of went all in for, for CJ, who was completely out of their timeline and not that good. So not, I like CJ as a player, but not like a, a, a star who's going to put you over the edge. So I think th- th- this would really be in between those two moves of, you know, completely passing. I think OKC really likes to keep their powder dry, but they have too many picks anyway. Picks become depreciating assets if you have so many of them and, and you're kind of leveraged out of them and yeah. teams know they, they don't have spots on the roster really for these picks. So uh, I think, I think it would be a good time to, to really do that. If they could get Lori, I wouldn't want to do it for anyone else on the, on this team. Yeah. I, I, uh, I do like what you're saying there. So that one definitely interesting for marketing. Um, some questions here. Uh, the pick for Pirtle has not become anything because it would be this year's pick. However, the Raptors have given two picks to the Spurs in the past. Those picks have become Keldon Johnson, who could be actually a sleeper to get traded, and Malachi Branham. So, not star players, but those are some talented players who are definitely on the rise. That imagine having those two players in uh, Toronto. Although the the, the Keldon one is, um, I think that was the Kawhi trade, which is which is whatever. Uh, the Branham also, one will will haunt them a bit, maybe. Yeah, and and I think an important thing to to remember when trading picks is you know it's not so it, there's also just so much opportunity cost of not only trading picks for Pirtle but like just Pirtle has allowed us to to or has not allowed us to to trade players freely and and the really important thing is we should be bad to surround Scotty with talent that's kind of yeah. the most obvious path and we just don't have that opportunity. So that's really the opportunity cost we're missing right now. Agreed. Uh, agreed completely. And it's tied up future assets because of the step-in rule. All these, yeah. 
Yeah. So many reasons why that trade wasn't very good. Okay, let's uh, let's get to the picks here to end off the show. Eric messaged earlier that the Malik Beasley under three and a half three-pointer made pick that you gave out last week. Eric was able to buy his mom a Christmas gift she always dreamt about because of the win <laughs> on that one. And uh, shout out people who played the same play for Beasley against the Pacers again yesterday. Because we played it on the uh, the morning show, and that was a, a winning play as well. Yeah, I went and, I went and checked. It was two and a half by the time I got there. So yeah, good stuff there. Let's go to today's free picks. Who do you have today? Um, so the first pick I'm playing, and I, I think um, I'm fading a lot of a lot of the Twitter touts out there right now, but I'm going Kobe White under 21 and a half points. So I'm just looking across the bet stamp. Odd screen here to find the best price. This one up here is wrong, but you can get 21 and a half minus 110 at Betway, 21 and a half minus 115, widely available at DraftKings, uh, minus 120 Betmgm. Is there like a highest, is there a max you'd play this number to? Yeah, honestly, I would, if you, if you can't get better than 115 minus 115, just wait. Like, if, if a lot of, um, got big following guys on Twitter are playing the over. I would be pretty surprised if this number does, doesn't keep bouncing back and you can just kind of get minus 110. I think I was getting minus 104 earlier today. Yeah, I, I would just wait on it. Don't play worse than minus okay. 115. And the second play, we'll go We'll go into a bit of analysis, but let's get to that second play first of all. Who do you have as your second play? Second play, um, Mike Conley under 13 and a half points. Looks like it's steamed out quite a bit during this show. Let's see. Okay. Bet three six five minus one fifteen, beautiful. Yeah. And then there's some minus one twenties out there. So minus yeah, one twenty is fine as well. Okay, so two plays involving uh, two plays there on point total unders. Let's get to your initial thoughts on that Kobe White play. Why you're fading? What is you're deeming to be a very popular play? Yeah. So last six games, if you just want to take full face value, last six games, Kobe White is averaging twenty six point two points. Um, he's averaging or he's shooting 54% from the field and he's playing 40 minutes a game. Sorry, not from the field, 54% from three. You know, if you regress his three point shooting down to 40% and his minutes down from, I think they've played one overtime game. He played another game where he played 45 minutes. It's hard to project a player 40 points. No one in the league averages 40, I'm sorry, 40 minutes, 40. Um, if you project him 38 minutes, and regresses three-point shooting down to 40. You know, even in that span, he's under 21 and a half points per game. That completely ignores the fact that he also was only averaging, you know, 13.6 points prior to the last six games. And he's now playing the Heat, which is a tough matchup. The Heat are a good defensive team. The total is 216. I believe that'll be the lowest total um, in this matchup. I think it's also the low, or sorry, in this run he's been on. It'll definitely be one of the lower team totals as well. They're four-point dogs. So, you know, it's just I just can't get to that high a number. You're getting 21 and a half points at minus 110. I, I think obviously he's scoring a lot more and Levine is out, but I, I don't think he's an Levine being out as an eight additional point boost for Kobe White, who was averaging 13.6 points on the season prior to Levine being out. Also, I didn't mention uh, one of these games in this run. Damar also didn't play, and now Damar is playing. Vooch has gotten a lot of shots as well during this time. So, yeah, I just think it's this. This has been over adjusted. You know, I wasn't playing under at nineteen and a half or eighteen and a half. 
but th- this has now jumped up from I think 19 and a half last game to 21 and a half uh today so it's just too high of a number when you adjust what should be around his mean uh, or median expectations okay and the Mike Conley play also taken under on Conley uh what's the reasoning behind this one against the Dallas Mavericks yeah this one's a lot more simple market for the the spread and in my head uh has ant as a right around a true question ball and plays a lot he likes to play he fully practiced yesterday and um he he like kind of like talks about that mj kobe mindset of always playing and the spreads right in between it's taking a bunch of steam today it's also a play i'm on so th- this is just a price to me set for uh ant fully out I don't think it jumps up much if Ant is out, and I think it'll come down to like around 11.5 even. If Ant is in, Conley's averaging around 11.5 points this year, right around fair, not like any weird shooting splits or anything like that. So, you know, it's a play you get a lot of value. It probably ends up being, you know, 15% expected value if he's in and, and around, you know, you're just paying the VIG if he's out. So just solid value play for me. For uh, a guy averaging 11.5 points if Ant plays. Okay, great stuff. So we had the White, Kobe White under on points, and the Mike Conley under on points. Let's hope for some more success like we had last week. Final thing from the chat here Eric asks, and I don't know what this means, uh, but <laughs> Eric wants your thoughts on the no, Twitter no. tout Alex Caruso. I don't know who it is, so yeah, you take yeah, it yeah, away. Yeah. No, he's got like 200,000 followers. Oh, guy who's hey. come to my attention recently. Um, I think. Twitter touts are are interesting because I think there's a faction of of gambling Twitter who likes to kind of villainize them all and and make it seem like they're all terrible. And then the tout side kind of looks at themselves as like holier than thou. Um, and and they love like talking about how like they've made all these people money and they're like doing everything for charity, which typically they do it for money or, or for attention and for views and clicks. Uh, Caruso. I think he's probably a winner in general. He post picks early. They move the market a ton because he has 200,000 followers. Um, I found him. I I think he's probably generally a winner, but he specifically is on Kobe White over. It's not something that like, if I'm looking at a play and I like it and I see he's on the over, I'm not particularly um, worried about it. I think he's probably generally a winner, but probably moves the market a bit too aggressively for how skillful a better he he is in my opinion like if you look at a lot of his analysis it'll be like you know he's gone over in six of the last seven games stuff like that stuff you know that that can matter but not not not, you know cutting edge by any means and then the last thing i'd say about him is i think that he does a lot of like scammy tout language like i think he starts all his tweets with lock in exclamation marks you know, that's obviously something you shouldn't do. Nothing's a lock. It's kind of a ridiculous thing to tweet. Um, so, yeah, I think he's fine. He is a lot like uh, a lot of the guys who he's similar to, but he's got a ton of followers and and really does move the market a ton. Uh, I won't, I'm not going to pull up Eric's comment, but Eric thinks you're being too nice. That's what, <laughs> that's what he's saying in chat. So uh, let's not get ourselves in trouble here. Let's wrap up the show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Reminder to hit that like button if you did enjoy what you saw today and you are tailing these picks. 
subscribe to the channel because like I said earlier, it's not just me and Kirk here every Thursday. It's me and Pips every morning on this channel at 9.45 a.m. Eastern time. Hit that notification bell as well so you're up to date with all of the content here on the board YouTube channel. The Hammers NBA content division. I'll be back tomorrow morning. Me and, me and Kirk Evans will be back next week, same time. We hope to see you there. We hope you all have a very good weekend. Thanks again. 